Good evening. Welcome back. Let's be ready in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. I made the choice to present this subject from this passage tonight because this connects very well with what we did the last two Sunday mornings. What Jesus said about heaven and then the follow-up this morning what Jesus said about hell. Now, beneath all of that is the inquiry, who is the ultimate judge? And of course, God is. And so tonight, we're going to study what Paul wrote about God's judgment, divine judgment. Listen, please, in Romans chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil the Jew first, and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Let me begin with this very simple observation that will not take much time from our study, but seems to be a clarification that would be needed. There is certainly God's present judgment of our relationship with Him. He knows my heart and your heart right now in this moment. And as our hearts give expression to behavior tonight and tomorrow and all the time while we're here on earth, God's aware of that. And that can be called His present judgment, His present perfect assessment of our relationship with Him. Now beyond that, in the future there is a final judgment that He will render when we stand before Him. So there is present judgment that's ongoing and there is divine judgment that lies ahead in the future. Now having made that point, <coughs> I want you to look with me further into Romans 2 and there are some points here we're going to highlight from Paul's writing 
in Romans 2 about divine judgment. Number one, and this is just so basic, God's judgment is right. It's correct. It's righteous. It says here, the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice the sins identified in the previous chapter. Now, what you need to do when you navigate to Romans 2.1 and you see Paul using this expression, those who practice the same things, what things would he be talking about? Browse back into the latter part of chapter 1 and you will discover numerous sins identified. Some of those sins are idolatry, homosexuality, murder, envy, malice, gossip, disobedient to parents. So those are the things he's talking about as he enters into chapter 2. Paul makes it very clear the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things, not some of them, but all of them, each one. So I can just mark this down in my understanding of God's judgment, divine judgment. Whatever it is, it's right. Whatever God's present judgment of my life is, and whatever his ultimate judgment will be in the end when I stand before him, it is correct, it is right, it is righteous. Sometimes when there is a death and people are uncertain about the person's condition, there will be a lot of dialogue and discussion among humans here on earth about that person's destiny. <clears throat> what do you think? Well, I think maybe this is the answer. What do you think? Well, I'm not certain about that. I think this might be that person's destiny. And ultimately, it seems to me, those inquiries all seem to come back to the preacher. What do you think about this person? Will they go to heaven or hell? Here's the simple answer to that. The preacher doesn't get to make that call. Those of us who engage in those discussions here on earth don't get to make that call. There may be things about that particular person we cannot see that God is able to see. And then in addition to that, God is the ultimate judge, and we need to think of him in those terms. Whatever God does, it will be right. We may not have the correct conclusion here on earth. God has the correct conclusion in his present judgment and will in his future judgment. And we need to fix that into our convictions where it stays there. God is always right. Paul states that truth God's judgment is right. And you may recall I brought that up this morning when we were in 2 Thessalonians 1 and we were looking at that phrase, the righteous judgment of God. Whatever God's judgment of my life is now, whatever it will be in the future, it's all righteous. It is absolutely correct because He is God.
That's very simple. That's basic. Second, look at something else in Romans 2, 1 to 11 about divine judgment. It is according to our works. It is not random or by whim or some sort of lottery that God renders judgment. Romans 2 in verse 6 says, He will render to each one according to his works. God renders judgment. It is always righteous judgment, and it's based on how we live, what we do. <coughs> it is according to our works. Now, you may believe everything the Bible says from Genesis to Revelation, you may be with good people. You may have a rich heritage among the people of God, perfect attendance, generous giver, good servant, all of that. While God knows about all of that, where does all of that behavior come from? Where does it take place? It takes place from the inside out. And God knows all of that the inside and the works that come to pass on the outside. His judgment is therefore based in that direction. In Matthew 7, a passage I brought up, I think last Sunday morning, Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Do you remember this? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And I stressed last Sunday morning, it is not just what we say, not just what we claim, not just what we might converse about or debate about. The question is, what do we do? God renders His righteous judgment according to our works as those works are attached to who we are inside, the heart. Now, think of this in the context of Romans as it pertained to the Jews in the first century. The Jews, generally speaking, were the very people who were always talking and sometimes bragging that they possessed the law of Moses. They were a part of God's nation. And they would talk about their possession of the law and the prophets as if mere possession made them better than other people. So the apostle reminds them of the fact that self-righteous people will not escape the judgment of God. That's his point in Romans 2. What God requires is more than mere possession of his law and discussion of his law and knowledge of his law. He wants to see obedience from the inside out. The fact that every person will be judged according to his works or his deeds that's not just taught here in Romans 2. It's all through Scripture. I want to give you two examples. 
One is way back in the Old Testament. We've talked about this recently. It's been in our Bible reading recently. Do you remember where Ecclesiastes takes you? God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And do you remember, I read this last Sunday morning, I believe, in Romans, I'm sorry, in John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, but those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There are, I've listed here, I'm not going to read all of them, probably 20 to 24 passages in the Old Testament and New Testament stressing that God's judgment will be according to our works, as those works are attached to what's inside of us, our heart. We need to understand divine judgment. It's right. It's according to our works. And in this statement about God's judgment, there is a positive. There's an offer of eternal life. I'm looking at verse 7. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. If any of this that I presented this morning, and if any of this that we're looking at now in Romans 2, if any of this concerns you, or is frightening or alarming, live your life from the inside out as described in verse 7. Patience in well-doing, seeking for glory and honor and immortality. Be patient, do well, seek actively to glorify and honor God that you might have a good outcome eternally. Because to those, God will give eternal life. So here, <clears throat> in the middle of this passage that may otherwise seem to be frightening, there's a statement of God's grace. It's found in one little word, give he will give eternal life to those who seek for glory, honor, and immortality. You don't have to send yourself into eternal punishment. You don't have to live in fear. Through Jesus Christ, we can leave sin behind, be baptized for the remission of our sins, and seek for glory, honor, and immortality, believing God will grant that to his people. He will give eternal life. So here in a passage that is otherwise about God's divine judgment, there is that gift aspect, that grace statement that he offers eternal life. But related to what we studied this morning, there's the reality of wrath and fury that could come from the ultimate judge. Verse 8 is the other side. For those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Now, what do you want to do after you read verses 7 and 8 
in Romans 2. You read verse 7 and 8. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Well, look at the end of both verses and decide what you want. Eternal life or wrath and fury. I think we want to live in such a way that what verse 8 says will not be our outcome. So if I'm self-seeking, if I'm disobedient to the truth, if I obey unrighteousness, I'm going to face wrath and fury. This is all about God's divine judgment. In all of this, about God's righteous judgment, he is perfectly objective, impartial. Verse 11, God shows no partiality. That goes to one of the main themes in the early part of the book of Romans, that no matter Jew or Gentile, here's the gospel to obey, and here's judgment to avoid. God shows no partiality. Now, we strive to be objective and fair. I think that is so of all of us. We want to be objective and fair, but we often come face to face with our imperfection. God is perfectly righteous, and part of this is He shows no partiality. That means some of the appeals made for favor among men here on earth will not work with God. Let's look at that a moment. Some of the appeals that men and women make for favor here on earth will not work with God. Some examples. Somebody might say to somebody, trying to work a deal, I've got a lot of money. I have money to offer. That doesn't phase God. Bribery gains no favor with Him. It might be said among men and women here on earth, I've known many great people. I can put you in touch with some people who are going to make things work for you. I've brushed shoulders with celebrities. God doesn't see any merit in that. Or someone might be inclined to say, I'm smart and I've learned a lot. I've memorized a lot. Or I'm of a certain race or ethnic background or I'm well known and praised among men. None of that plays to your favor with God. God shows no partiality in His judgment. Nothing will escape His perfect attention and His righteous judgment. So, listen again, please. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? 
Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also for the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So here's what we've done recently. Last Sunday morning, I presented what Jesus said about heaven. And I followed up this morning with what Jesus said about hell. The two sermons come together in Romans 2, where Paul describes divine judgment. God will render final judgment concerning our eternal destiny. Here's one more passage I'll bring up. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 expresses what we've been talking about. It says, For we must all appear in our true character before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether it be good or whether it be worthless. See, isn't it clear? No one can escape this judgment. But Jesus died so that we would not anticipate wrath and fury. I hope and pray each of us are ready and that we're busy helping others get ready to go to heaven. Let's be standing as we sing. Why do you wait, dear brother? Oh, why do you <coughs>